Yes, and good morning. Amen. My young men are there saying, preach it. Preach it. Well, I'm going to do my very best. I'll guarantee you that. Hey, we are so glad that you are here um, today. We had a great time in first service. Looking forward to what God is going to do here today uh, as we start our new series, Days of Elijah. It's going to run about eight weeks, and we're looking forward to it very much. We've got the, sermon, the uh, series slide up here. Eight weeks. It's about one man, a guy named Elijah, two adversaries, Jezebel and Ahab, but one incredible God. For them, there are days of droughts and doubts and destiny. I'm looking forward to sharing um, over the next uh, few weeks, eight weeks, uh, exactly what all was going on in there and in, in the days of Elijah. And, you know, it's so funny. This was back in 2020. Um, I scheduled this. Not knowing we were going to be shut down. And so about week two into the shutdown, Elijah started. And all 12 of us really enjoyed hearing the series that week, that year. Um, a few of y'all may have listened in on the radio. And very few of you probably listened in on Facebook. We got bigger and better as we went along. But in those days, it wasn't. And so God laid in my heart last fall um, you know, that I should re-preach this, the, the uh, series of Elijah. And it happened last night. Last night. I was sitting there and studying and it came to me, it seemed God spoke into my heart and said, Dwayne, these are the days of Elijah. And, and, these, and, and the timing of this series is more appropriate by far than it was in 2020. You just sang a song that said, do you feel the world is broken? Do you, can you feel the shadows deepening? And you sang with authority, we do. We do. And these are difficult times. These are difficult days. And these are the days of Elijah. The days of Elijah, Elijah lived in a time that was very, very difficult, and yet he chose. Somebody say chose. He chose, he chose to stand up in a culture that was totally devoid of God. He chose to stand up and be counted for God. And that's what this series um, is about. I hope you will open your smart device and open version and go to more events because more and more in these days, I, as a, your friend, as your pastor, as the teacher of this hour, I want you to get this and keep this. And the best way I know to help you do that is the version app and going to that worship event and doing it. Um, most of you, if you did happen to listen on the radio back in 2020, if you were one of the six people who watched it on Facebook, or perhaps if you happened to be one of the praise team people, one of the 12 that was in the building during this series, chances are you don't remember. We just don't grasp hold of that like we can and should. And the best way I can tell you to do that is using the version app. I really hope you'll do that. These are the days of Elijah, and we need to be able to grasp hold and keep truth so we can apply it later on in our lives. You know, some of this may not apply right now to you, but I promise you it will in the future. And students, you know, right now, you know, you're young, things are going pretty good in life, but I'm telling you, up in the future, things are going to get more difficult for you as believers in Jesus Christ. And those are the days you're really going to need to have the days of Elijah truth that are burned into your heart. Well, the sermon title is Storm Watch. Storm Watch. Wasn't it just yesterday that the National Weather Service issued a tornado watch? And what that simply meant was, and means is, is that the conditions are ripe for the possible formation 
of a tornado. Be alert, okay, because conditions are ripe. Well, we see as we launch this series that there's a storm brewing and conditions were ripe for a storm in the life of Elijah, Ahab, Jezebel, and that twisted Israeli culture. And so we want to look today and study how Elijah prepared himself for the storm that is ahead. Listen, if you're tired of culture, if you're tired of the way things are going in our country, do something about it. Be Elijah. Be Elijah. Our series starts with 1 Kings 17.1, okay? And it simply is a verse of introduction. It says, Now Elijah the Tisbite from the Gilead settlers said to Ahab, so, so it's like a bolt from the blue. You know, it was about, I think about seven, eight years ago, a young man was playing um, soccer or baseball, I can't remember which one it was, um, in Carbondale, maybe a track meet, you know, in Carbondale, and was struck by lightning and tragically killed. And the crazy part was, the storm was 10 miles away. This bolt of lightning came from 10 miles and tragically hit this young man and killed him. Well, Elijah comes on the scene like a bolt out of the blue. Um, he may have already been known as a, a minor prophet, if you will, in, in the culture, but he comes you know, dramatically on the scene, and all we know about this guy, his name is Elijah, he was a Tisbite, and came from the Gilead soldier, uh, settlers, um, and then he makes a pronouncement to Ahab. Let's look at the principle of who this Elijah guy is. There's a couple things I want you to learn today. First off this, Elijah shows up unknown and unannounced. Okay, now that's important. One of the great things that undermines the Bible to us is we want to put everybody on a pedestal. We want everyone to be Iron Man. We want every man to be the Hulk. We want every one of them to somehow be some kind of a superhero. And we look at them and go, oh, that doesn't apply to me because I could never be Iron Man. I could never be Hulk. I could never be any of those things. What I want you to understand is Elijah was an ordinary guy. Not only Elijah, but with the exception of the Lord Jesus Christ, you know, virtually every character you see in the Bible was an ordinary man or woman who chose to serve an extraordinary God. If you want to lose the power of the Word of God, put him on a pedestal. Because then, all of this, you say, Dwayne, that's a nice sermon. We appreciate you telling us about Elijah. But if Elijah becomes something you could never be, what good is it? What good is it? Rather, if Elijah becomes an ordinary man, okay, then all of a sudden, wait, wait, wait. If he did this... I can do this. If he stood, I can stand. If he made a declaration for God, I can make a declaration for God. You know, James 5, 17. Now, we're going to look at that verse later on in the series because it deals with prayer. Um, but, but, you know, James wrote in James 5, 17, Elijah was an ordinary man like us. So burn that into your heart. Write that down today. That the characters in the Bible can teach us things because they were people just like us. But then it goes on and says this. His name means Yahweh is my God. Now I want you to see the word my God there because in the Hebrew it's emphatic. It's emphasized. It's personal. 
So if, if Elijah was saying this, you know, he goes, what's your name? My name's Elijah. What does it mean? He goes, Yahweh is my God. My God. He boldly proclaims that Yahweh is his God. Now, now, in a culture, if Israel was doing what Israel should have been doing, that's not such a big deal. But, but Israel was so corrupt. I mean, there was, there, was no, there was no God going, well, there was gods going on. It just wasn't Jehovah God. Okay, and then here he is, like in all this darkness, there's this light shining, and it's this guy named Elijah, and he boldly proclaims that Yahweh, Jehovah, Creator God, is my God. Now listen to me, look at me. We need this today. The world does not care about our religion. They don't care that we gather in a building every week. They don't care that we take a bath on Saturday night so we'll smell good on Sunday morning. They need to know something more about us. And what they need to know more about us is Yahweh, Jehovah, is our God. Yahweh is our You know, I wore a shirt this week. And, and I'm, not a big, I'm not a big shirt wearer. I'm not a t-shirt wearer. And I have one of those um, No Great Love t-shirts that said, Trust Jesus. You know, I, I don't... I don't usually do that. I just don't wear those kind of shirts. But what I want to do is I want my life to be such that people can see Jesus in me. Our culture needs to see Jesus. These are days of Elijah, and God needs to raise up his people to be men and women like Elijah was. And remember, he's an ordinary guy, so all of us filled with the Holy Spirit can be that Elijah. Yahweh is my God. He stood out like a bright light in the darkness. That's principle number one. Principle number two and three are the exact opposite. They are, they are evil. They are darkness, okay? And we look at uh, 1 Kings 16, 30. Now, you'll notice we were reading in 17, and now we go back to um, 16. And we learn about these two people. One is Ahab, and one is Jezebel. Now, if you want to later on, if you want to go back and read First uh, Kings 16, um, you'll see it reads, now for the old people here, for the old people here, um, it reads like a Sears catalog of evil, okay? You have to be old to know what a Sears catalog is, okay? But for the younger folks, of which, of course, I am one, okay, it reads like an Amazon website of evil, yeah, you go to, to, to Amazon and you search. Man, if you look at 1 Kings 16, it's king after king after king after king after king. And everyone is evil, 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 evil. These are difficult times. Because you see, the kings were evil. They led the people to be evil. Um, the kings to worship Baal, so they led the people to worship Baal. The nation chose to worship Baal because the leadership chose. Now, let me tell you this. I may or may not know. I do not agree with the leadership of our country right now. But that is no excuse for us to sit there and whine and complain. It's time for us to do something. I mean, I'm telling you what. The leadership in Washington can't affect my faith. The leadership in, in Washington can't affect your faith. That's just a... Oh, my goodness. That's just a stinking sorry excuse. It's time we stand up and be Elijah's in this dark culture. It's time that we stand up. So what does the Bible say about Ahab? Well, here's what it says. Ahab, son of Omri, did what was evil in the Lord's sight 
more than all who were before him. So what it says of this king of Israel, all these kings were bad. And here pops Ahab, and the author says this, that Ahab was more evil than everyone who came before him. Whoa, whoa. But wait, it gets better. Because the Bible says in verse 31, it goes on and says this. Then, I like, I like the way the CSB puts this. Then, as if following the sin of Jeroboam, son Nebat was not, not enough. And if you look back in 16, Jeroboam was like the standard of evilness. Okay? All right? If that was not enough, he married Jezebel, the daughter of Ethbel, king of the Sidonians, and then proceeded to serve Baal and bow and worship to him. In other words, his daddy-in-law became the king of the Sidonians and one of the most evil people there was. He marries, joins them with them in marriage, and then serves Baal and bows and worship to him. That's the setup. Over here, a man who boldly proclaims Yahweh is my God. And over here, a king who there's been no one more evil than him. He marries one of the most evil women. I mean, anyone here named your daughter Jezebel? Now, you know, there's a reason why. She's one of the most evil. No, she probably was the most evil woman in the Bible ever to live. So here they are. And now our teaching point says this. The stage... Are you ready? The stage was set for a cosmic battle. Light versus darkness. Good versus evil. What was true then is true now. I'm not sure. We've said for the last two years, isn't this crazy? And we're all frustrated and we're angry as if this is catching us by surprise. Sometimes someone will see something in the news and say, Can you believe? I say, Yep, I sure can. Because you understand this stage that we live on. It was true then, but this stage we live on. Hey, guys, the stage that you are growing up in on, that stage is a stage ready for cosmic battle. There is war going on. And it is a war of good versus evil and light versus darkness. Don't be surprised. Don't be surprised. And this last statement, if you read Grits, my, the blog that I write, I love to, the, my writing style is I love to play on words. For example... The question was never in question. You know, the question is the decision. The decision. The conclusion of the matter. So the, the, the end, the, the conclusion of the matter was never in question. There was no doubt that God, Yahweh, the one Elijah served, was going to win. There was not a, you didn't need to pray about it. You didn't have to take a poll. If, if you're a gambler, you could go ahead and bet on God because, son, it was done. It was done. Now listen to me. It's done today too. The outcome of this mess we call life. The outcome of these days of Elijah is never in 
doubt. You know, our brother David read that beautiful scripture about the Lord Jesus Christ. And he talked about how we worship from here to there. Well, listen, we can worship there from here because we know the outcome. And the outcome is Jesus is king. Nothing's going to change that. Nothing's going to change that. Don't, don't get all worked up. Don't get all, oh, oh, no. Okay? Because my God, your God is sovereign. He is in control. Remember about the Passion Week? You know, then they prayed in Acts and said, everything happened according to your plan. When are we, <laughs> when are we going to learn that everything's going to happen according to God's plan? Satan ain't got a chance. Evil doesn't have a chance. Darkness have a chance. It's working out. Now, we may not like that path. But last time I checked, he was God and we're not. He calls the shots, not us. So we have Elijah and we have Ahab and we have Jezebel. And then we come up to our, to our next scripture. It's the, it's the second part of verse number one. Okay? And here's what it says. As the Lord God of Israel lives... It's a declaration. As the Lord God of Israel lives, in whose presence I stand, there will be no dew or rain during these days that set by my command. Now, you've got to get something here. This was not his idea. I mean, Elijah was a great guy. But he wasn't sitting there one day, you know, having, having supper. Good. You know what? I think I'll go see Ahab, and I think I'll announce that, hey, there's not going to be rain these years or do these years, Okay. It wasn't his idea, nor was, the, mm, nor was the declaration made in his authority or power. It was God's idea, and the declaration was made in his authority and will be, and will be accomplished by his power. Church, y'all gotten too big for y'all's pants, and I'm part of it. I don't know where in the world we got the idea we can fix the problem. I don't know where we got the idea we got the right to cast judgment here and there. That's up to God. Let God be God. Let God be God. And he made this declaration. He said, my God has said that there will not be dew or rain these years until he tells me to command it to return. Now, this is so powerful because this is a strategic Strike. Um, I spent 12 years in the Air Force, and I was a member of the Strategic Air Command. And it got the word Strategic Air Command from the ability of to, to, to do strategic strikes, to do laser point strikes, to know where the enemy is and to strike accordingly. Okay? Well, this was a strategic strike by God. Okay? He didn't arbitrarily pick this punishment and these circumstances. Here's why. Baal worshippers, including the chunk of them that call themselves Jews, Baal worshippers believed their God provided rain. In other words, it was up to Baal to send the rain. So what does God do? God says, oh, you believe in that false God, Baal? You think he sends the rain? Watch this. Jehovah God shut the rain off and their economy down. God said, oh, you think, you think Baal's, you think Baal sends the rain? Then let's see him send rain now when I shut it off. See, when you shut off the rain, you shut down the economy. Because you're a farmer, crops don't grow without rain. If you're a herdsman, your herd can't survive without water. And God said, I'm just going to shut it down. And listen, God's justice is as sure as his love. 
If you go with me back to Deuteronomy in chapter um, 11, verse 16 and 17, the children of Israel are fixing to go into the promised land. I want you to listen to what the Word of God says. Be careful, God said. Be careful that you are not enticed. You're not baited. You're not swayed to turn aside, serve, and bow, and worship to other gods. And by the way, be, be aware of that in today's culture. Don't be baited by this culture to worship another god. Don't be swayed by this culture to worship another god. Be careful. Verse 17. Then the Lord's anger will burn against you. He will, I love this. He will shut the sky and there will be no rain. The land will not yield its produce and you will perish quickly from the good land the Lord God is giving you. What God said, God backed up. Don't you like that? What God said, God in turn backed up. Well, then we move to verse number 2 and 3. So then, then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide. What? Maybe I didn't read that right. Then the word of the Lord came to Elijah. Leave here, turn eastward, and hide. What? It is what it says. Now, why in the world would God say this? Why in the world would, you know, basically, Elijah comes out and declares war and says, this is the way it's going to be. And then God says, now go hide. It seems logical that when you declare war, you attack. But not in this case. No, God said you'd hide. Here's why. Look, look, look. Why hide? The answer is simple. God was ready. Elijah was not. See, Elijah is going to be facing um, uh, the, the widow at Zarephath. Her son's going to die, and he's going to resurrect her in the power of God. And then there's the great battle with, with Baal, the prophets of Baal. And, and then Jezebel's going to come down and say, I'm going to kill you. And he runs. All that's coming. Elijah needs to go to school. So, so God said, now listen, I'm, I'm not going to send you to war yet. You need to go hide somewhere, just me and you. So we can talk. You need to hide. So I can work in your life. Now here's the deal. He knows you better than you know you. Because see there's somebody here. Well I want God to do this. I want God to do that. Hey students you might be going. Well I want God to do in this life. I want this in my life. You might not be ready for that yet. You remember the children of Israel. They left out of Egypt. And God took them the long way around. Do you remember why? If they'd gone the short way, they'd have gone to war with the Philistines. And they weren't ready, the Bible says. You, you want to know, know why Moses spent 40 years on the backside of the desert? There was a reason. He was, God was preparing him so he could lead the children of Israel into the promised land. You, you know why David was anointed king and then what was it, 17 or 13 years before he became king? Well, you know why? God was preparing him. God was giving him wisdom. God was giving him courage to be king. He wasn't ready to be king. God made him ready to be king. Let, let, let God, let, let, you know, be patient with God because he's got a reason why he's doing what he's doing in your life. Now, we just need to trust God. Him, trust him. Now, uh, Brandon Cox is a was a pastor and has a consultant. But this is, if, if you got a pencil and you don't have your worship app open, you, you know, write this one down. It's, it's worth hearing. You know, Brandon Cox said this: God will allow some hard things 
to happen around you. Anybody having hard things happen around you? Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah we've heard hard things. Yeah. Now, if, you, if you're older than two, you've had hard things. So, so you say, so why exactly would God allow hard things, okay? God will allow some hard things to happen around you so he can develop some good things within you. He wants to develop your character. See, God is more interested in your holiness than your happiness. So he'll bring hard things into your life. He's not mad at you. Not that he doesn't love you. In fact, he loves you more than you can imagine. He'll bring some hard things into your life so he can develop, he can build, he can grow some good things within you to prepare you for the awesome things still ahead. Hey, hey, students, y'all need this. Y'all need this. You know, you have, like sometimes your parents aren't cool, you know, or maybe a teacher seems like they're always on you, or you didn't get, you wanted to be on the cheerleading squad and you didn't make that, you wanted to be starting football, you didn't get that, you know. God allows some hard things to happen in your life, okay, so he can develop good things. How do you handle rejection? How do you handle failure? How do you handle, you know, not getting what you want? Okay? Well, God wants to develop some good things within you, and they want to prepare you. Guys, he's got some awesome things for you. But you've got to go through the school of life and with, with Jesus at the helm to see those things happen. So, so don't give up on God, and don't get mad at him. He's working on your behalf, okay? He wants to prepare you for some awesome things that are ahead, all right? So then we've heard, looked at verse number three, the second part. So God says, I want you to hide. At the Wadi Cherith, where it enters the Jordan. Now, this is so significant. You know, probably, that, that in the Bible, you know, names meant a lot. You know, say, what's in a name? Well, in the Bible, a lot, okay? Now, Wadi simply means that it's a water feature, okay? That's all, it's a water feature, okay? But the name Cherith is very important. Cherith means to cut off or cut down, okay? So, it's no accident. Somebody say, no accident. Now, it's no accident. You, know, you don't serve a God of accidents. Okay? It's no accident that, that Elijah was sent to a, a wadi, a water feature, with the name Cherith. Because God had to whittle on Elijah to make him the man of faith he needed to be. That's it. Why is God bringing circumstances in your life? Okay? He is working, not for your happiness necessarily, but for your holiness. He is going to whittle off the things that don't look like Jesus. And frankly, probably the reason we spend so much time in hard times is because there's a lot of whittling to be done. You know, my friend David Disney is a very talented guy. He's kind of like Jeremy. I don't think there's anything Jeremy can't do. And I'm pretty sure there's, there's not anything that David Disney can't do. He's a fabulous cook, but he's a master workman, workshop, woodworker. And so I was at his house, oh, about a month or so ago, and, you know, they were showing me these bowls he made. And I mean, guys, they're incredible. They're incredible. And, and to bring it down to the most simplest thing, okay, it goes like this. David takes a block of wood. He mounts a plate on the back of it, and the plate mounts to his leg. And he turns the leg on, and it starts spinning. And then he takes a tool. And he takes a tool and he begins hitting the wood, grinding the wood, cutting the wood. And you know what he's doing? Everything that doesn't look like a bowl, he's cutting it off. Let me say that again. 
Everything that doesn't look like a bowl, David cuts off. And he cuts, and he cuts, and he cuts. He gets it down. He sands it down. He polishes, either with wax or some other kind of finish. And the product is this beautiful bowl. Friends, brothers, sisters, God has got you on the lay of life. And he is slowly cutting away. And what he's cutting away is everything that doesn't look like Jesus. But I will give you, based on the authority of the word of God, that if you'll let God do his work in your life, you will be the masterpiece that he created you to be. Let God whittle on your life. Elijah needed it. He needed to be whittled down. And so God puts him there. You know, there's a great scripture in John chapter 15 and verse number 2. We're going to grab just the second part. This is Jesus speaking. He prunes every branch that produces fruit. Why? So that it may produce more fruit. Now listen, if you're a Jesus follower, you need to get this. And you need to understand this. God is not interested so much in your holiness or excuse me, your happiness as your holiness. He's got you on the lathe of life. He's cutting off the things that don't look like Jesus. In the end, you will be the beautiful masterpiece he wants you to be. So God sends him then to Cherith. Then we end up in verse number four. And I love this. I love this. God says, okay, here's what I want you to do. You are to drink from the wadi. And then, by the way, I have commanded the ravens to provide for you there. What? Say what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. See, there's something, Elijah, there's something natural, there's something natural I want you to do. There's going to be a source of water there, and I want you to drink from the source of water. It won't be forever. We're going to learn next week. It won't be forever, but for now there's a brook there. And I want you to drink. It's a natural thing. I want you to do what's natural. And then, Elijah, I want to trust you. I'm going to trust you to trust me to do the supernatural. You do know God still does supernatural things. Look in the mirror. You are a supernatural work of God. Thank you, buddy. Thank you, buddy. You are to drink from the wadi, and I'm going to do something supernatural. I have commanded, past tense, I have commanded the ravens, the crows, to provide for you there. Now, I want you to get this. this I was sitting, the dude was preaching this week, okay, where we were in his conference, and this thought came to my mind. I, this scripture popped in my brain, and the words, I have commanded. We serve a God who commands. He doesn't ask permission. He don't, listen, 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 listen. He don't need your permission. He don't want your permission. Too many pastors think they own the church. Too many pastors think they, they got a vision for the church. They got a plan for the church. Well, you don't need my vision. You need God's vision. And God commands, commands birds to take care of, of prophets. He, he, he's not a God of chance. You've got to believe that in these days of Elijah. He's not a God of chance. He's not a God of circumstance. He is a God who commands. And I'm going to command these ravens to feed you. Isn't it funny? You know, I don't think there was a debate between God and the birds. I think the creator spoke to the bird and said, I want you to go get some food and I want you to take this prophet and feed him. And the bird said, okay, why is it we got to debate God? 
Why is it when God commands, we got to debate God? We got to have a prayer meeting. We got to have a committee meeting. We got to decide if we want to obey or not. Why can't we be like the bird and simply obey God? And when God speaks, do it. Just do it. Not for my sake, not even for your sake, but because as a Jesus follower, it's the right thing to do. So the Bible says in verse number five, the first part, okay, so he proceeded to do what the Lord commanded. This is what sets one of the things that sets Elijah apart. He simply did what God told him to do. If we are going to see our culture change in these days of Elijah, in these days where darkness seems to reign, in these days when evil seems to reign, and in these days when our country is turning its back on God, if we want to see God use us, we've got to obey. Elijah did. He just simply did what God told him to do. And that's all God wants from you. That's all God wants from you is simply... To do what he says. There's a great quote by Stephen Furtick, and it's one of those times I really want you to say, you know, Stephen Furtick teaches some things and believes some things that I do not agree with. But that doesn't mean I'm going to throw everything he says out the window. This is good. Great moves of God are usually preceded by simple acts of obedience. It's just possible the answer is more simple than we understand. Obey God. Obey God. God wants to do this great work. It's either going to be a great work of judgment or a great work of revival in our country. But regardless of which one it is, great moves of God are most always preceded by simple acts of obedience. Remember I told you what was on our... You remember what was on my bathroom wall? I said it like a week ago. Maybe two. Before you ask God, don't you have this on your bathroom wall? Oh, you should. Before you ask God, the answer is yes. That's a good place for an amen. Students, before you ask God, the answer is yes. God, what do you want me to do in my life? You know, God, what career do you want me to do? Hey, who do you want me to marry? That's a big one. You know, before you ask God, the answer is yes. Uh, so verse 5, be the second part. So, so Elijah left and lived. Write that down. Circle that in your Bible. See, he moved in at Cherith. Right thing to do. He didn't give God a time limit. God I will give you two days to answer my prayer. If you don't answer my prayer in two days, then obviously you don't care. God, if you don't answer my prayer this way, then you can't be my God. No. Elijah moved in. He said, I'm going to stay at Cherith until Yahweh tells me to move. Because Yahweh, you're God and I'm not. You're smarter than I am. You sent me here. Hmm. You sent me here, so I'm assuming that means you'll tell me when it's time to go. Yeah. Elijah left and lived at the Wadi Cherith where it enters the Jordan. And this is, this is just as rich as it gets. Verse, verse number 6. The ravens... And by the way, I'm leaving some stuff out, so if you got the worship event, be sure and check those out. The ravens kept bringing him 
bread and meat in the morning and the evening, and he would drink from the water. Here it is. The natural and the supernatural. The natural part, he drank from the water. The supernatural part, the one who can command a bird to bring food to a prophet, did. So every morning, the birds would show up with bread and meat. And every night, the birds would show up with bread and meat. And this is the school of God's faithfulness. It wasn't long before it clicked in in Elijah's brain. Wait a minute. As he went up in the morning, and there were the birds with food, and they came back in the evening, and there was the food and, and the meat, and he started saying something. He said, wait, wait, wait. God is good. God is faithful. And God can be trusted. See, that's the school. That's the school that we need to live in. The school of God's faithfulness. So write it down, teaching point, over over again. Every time the bird showed up, you know, God was saying, Elijah, I'm good, I'm faithful, and I can be trusted. In the evening, I'm good, I'm faithful, I can be trusted. Next day, I'm good, I'm faithful. And before long, it's almost like road learning. And when Elijah saw the birds, he said, oh, 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 I know this one. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Are you ready to get there? Are you tired of depending on the government to take care of you? Are you tired of being worried about the stock market? See, my, I'm not, I don't have a, like a state retirement or anything. Anything I've got in retirement is what I put in there through Guidestone, and it's in, it's in the stock market. And oh my gosh, you see, do you see less hair here? I, I, I look, oh no, it dropped 900 points. Oh, it's up 400 points. Now it's 900 points. Now it's up 400. Now it dropped 1,000. God is good. God is faithful. And God can be trusted. And I am learning. Somebody say, I'm learning. I'm learning that my future doesn't depend on the stock market. Some of y'all are more spiritual than me. You already got that. I'm learning it. I'm learning that the same God who has seen me through four decades of pastoring will be the same God who will take care of me as long as he gives me breath to breathe. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Believe it. Believe it. You may get to keep your hair if you do. won't be like some of us. Over and again, God is good, God is faithful, and God can be trusted. Um, we got, Nancy, we got to do Deuteronomy 8.3. We didn't get to it in the first service. I know, I'm sorry for the smaller print, but this is so good. Once again, you know, God's talking to the children of Israel. And I want you to really get this. It's like three steps. One, two, three. The first one is this. He humbled you by letting you go hungry. You mean God might let me go hungry? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Might let the stock market fall. May have to take a pay cut. Well, why in the world would God do that? Then he gave you manna to eat. So he takes away so you'll understand that he's all you need. I would have said amen to that. He takes away... 
So you realize God is all you need. You know, the Israelites didn't have to have a herd of cows and goats. They had manna every day. Every day. God is faithful. God is good. God can be trusted. He, he takes away and then gives you manna eat, which you and your father had known. It was something totally unexpected. So that, here's the reason, this is number three, so that you might learn. Somebody say, you might learn. See, we're in school. You might learn that God does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. When God is working his plan, he has a purpose. And the purpose is that we might learn that man does not live by bread alone, but by God. Now listen, our lives are going to be easier if we'll learn that and believe that. You, we, oh, oh, I say you, we will not worry near as much. We understand our sovereign God's got this. He's in control. And that's what Elijah was learning. We're not sure how long he stayed at Wadi, Wadi Cherith. We're not sure how long he was whittled on, how much God had to cut off. But eventually, our last verse, seven, verse 7 and this is where we're going to pick up next week also. You'll see this verse again next week. So after a while, after a while, the wadi dried up because there had been no rain in land. Now, it wasn't that God all of a sudden decided not to be faithful. Remember, this is the natural. Okay? What is happening here is how do you get a prophet to move? You take away the water. You take away the water. So it was time... Because, you know, we kind of get comfortable. We kind of get enjoying that bread and meat the ravens bring. We kind of like going down to the spring and getting a drink. Okay? Well, God lets the wadi dry up because it's time to move on. And trust me, come back next week. What God has next week is bigger than what he has this week. In fact, you want to know a secret? I was sitting in my office in between services, studying, you know, and things, tweaking. And God gave me why, the next step, why he had to move on. I can't wait to share it with you. I wrote down, I sent myself a text, Dwayne. You know, hey, Siri, send, send Dwayne a text. I can't wait to share it with you. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Would you bow your heads, please? Thank you for letting me go a little bit long today. Still didn't get all of it in, but I got a lot of it. But today, you know, one of my regrets with this kind of a message is we don't have a lot of the gospel in it. Because, we, you know, we should put the gospel in every message. But I want you to know that God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you today. He wants you to call him Father. And he made that way possible by sending his son Jesus to die on a Roman cross and then come back to life. And then whoever will believe in that and turn away from their sin can have everlasting life. My friend Brent's going to be standing down front. And, uh, boy, we'd love to tell you about that story. So come. But the rest of us who already know Jesus, remember this. God is good. God is faithful. God can be trusted. Don't you let this mess with you. If you don't serve, I've got a chance. 
You don't serve a God of circumstance. You, you don't serve a God who has to ask permission. You serve a God who commands. Now, our altar's open. If you're going through a circumstance right now and you know you need to come to the throne and pray, I want to invite you to do that. Just come down here and talk to the Father about it. We'd be glad to pray with you. If there's a decision such as baptism, maybe you trusted Christ and never been baptized, perhaps God's led you uh, to maybe join our fellowship here. Or like I said, maybe you just want to come and pray. This is your time of decision. Thanks, God, for this time together. Thank you that you are good, you are faithful, and you can be trusted. Thank you, you are God who commands. <laughs> you don't have to ask permission. And Jesus, I pray it in your precious name. Amen.